Hello and welcome to Between the Mountains, where we talk about your adventure travels from backpacking to expeditions. I'm your host Chris, and today we welcome Lucy Shepherd from LucyShepherd.net, and she did an interview with us last month, which I highly recommend you go and listen to if you haven't. She is such an accomplished individual. And we're going to talk about her expedition to the High Sierras in California. We're going to be talking about camping in caves, avoiding avalanches, and just getting lost in the mountains, literally. I hope you enjoy it, and while you're listening, if you do enjoy it, please feel free to subscribe and follow and share it with a friend. But otherwise, let's just get straight into it. So hello Lucy, welcome to the welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Um, so we had you on for an interview, uh, which I recommend everyone go back and listen to because that was super fascinating. You gave some pretty good answers and uh, you were just saying you left the interview excited. Um, one thing I didn't say is I left the interview excited because <laughs> those places you talked about I haven't been to before. So it definitely sparked inspiration in me to to start working a bit harder anyway. <laughs> but um. <laughs> But today we're talking about one of your trips, yep. uh, which is uh, the High Sierras. So um, I did that in last year. So this time last year, pretty much. Um, I can tell you. Well, basically, it was only meant to be a little bit of a jolly. So it was only meant to be myself, um, my boyfriend Tim, and our really, really good friend uh, Matt, who we met in the mountains of Argentina, who we'd also climbed Denali with. Um, it was meant to be just three friends going off to the mountains, having a real quick adventure in the high sierra mountains a ski mountaineering adventure uh, and that was that but actually it came out of that so much with so much more it was probably really really unexpectedly one of my best trips i've ever had you know i wasn't even calling this an expedition before we went it was just a jolly and came out of it and was like no that was a that was a expedition in itself there was so many so much happened and so many adventures and oh that was really good and now i'm just desperate to go back yeah for sure for sure and um and again uh i didn't plan this but just to plug it again the uh, the other interview with lucy uh i actually ask you what moment you'd uh, want to relive and one of those moments is from this trip yeah. so so yeah really looking forward to getting to that part of the story anyway yeah but for me i we haven't spoken about this in too much detail so i'm super interested to to find out much more about it yeah. First question is, how did you end up going about doing it? And then afterwards, we can just go straight into day one, I think. Yeah, sure. Well, um, the idea was to go to, Calif- to California to meet Matt, our friend who lives out there in San Francisco. And um, he's fairly into ski mountaineering. We'd never done that together. We'd only just done mountaineering before together with him. Mm. And so he said, you know, I've been needing friends that can do this to go off the mountains, the high Sierras. I'd never heard of the the high Sierras, I knew of the Sierra, and you kind of think of the Sierra Nevada, um, and you think of the desert and things like that. But um, as soon as you Google it, it's the high Sierras, you see um, it's it's where the John Muir Trail is. So in the summer, people will trek through that um, part of it anyway that we we ski on, and it's you go through three different national parks as well. And because we weren't putting any um, food, any dropout points beforehand, so we had to carry all our food. Um, we would do the traverse. So it's an east to west traverse through the mountains. And it's only, I say only, it's definitely more than this. It's only about 70, 80 kilometers um, as the crow flies. But it's, you do so, end up doing so much more. You go back on yourself so much more. 
it is the easiest place ever to go go wrong and miss miss the wrong passes that you have to go through. It's, um, and there's something, so I thought it was quite a sort of defined route, you know. Um, mm. A few guiding companies do it, I think four or five of them, and they take small groups out and things like that. So I thought, oh, there'll be people everywhere. It'll be like in the summer, the John Muir Trail, um, and, you know, it would just be a, a bit of a fun trip. Uh, it was nothing like that. We didn't see a single soul on the trip. Uh, everything online, it's very, very vague. So ski mountaineers like to be, uh, I don't know why it is. I think it, it's probably, if you're going to do this route, you should know for yourself how to get out of sticky situations. So <laughs> there are maps, but there aren't specific maps. Uh, you have to kind of figure it out for yourself along the way. Um, and it was so much more gnarlier and sketchier than we could have ever imagined. <laughs> but that was the whole fun of it in the end. Um, but I think you you end up climbing. Um, you meant to do six days. Ours turned out longer for something I'll go into later. It's 10,000 foot of ascent, um, which is fairly a lot when you've got a massive rucksack on. And you're going up and down, up and down. Um, and you're staying around 11,000 to 13,000 foot of um, altitude. So it's not high. But you go up, you go down, you go up, you go down, and you're, you're climbing about five mountains every day. <laughs> it's, it's Jeez. That's nuts. So getting into day one then, getting yeah. jumping straight into the itinerary, what gear, what gear are we bringing and how do we go about getting there and, and, and what was the first day like? Yeah, so logistics are quite tricky on this one. Because you're going through a mountain range, um, you once you get to the end, you have to get the start which actually takes a long time which we ended up hitchhiking um to get there but it took maybe two days so you have to remember that the end bit is never going to be easy um kit wise so we started on the east section um and we took all our kit and we took our car there and you're taking i mean you're trying to be as light as possible because i don't know if you've ever skied downhill with a massive rucksack um it's just a big fluffy coat <laughs> It's hard. it's hard, like your balance completely changed, your skiing completely changed. You, we called it survival skiing, so occasionally you'd make some sexy turns, but a lot of the time you were you were sort of dad skiing down these steep gullies and things. Um, and if you made it without falling over, then that was that was a win. Um, you got so you got your your boots actually. Yeah, I mean, for those that are watching the YouTube, you got your boots, um, and they are. <laughs> mountaineer boots so they're super light so um i actually prefer them to the alpine skiing boots um but it means they they can move their heel can move which means you can walk walk and um ski cross-country ski uphill much more comfortably um and then we obviously took all our cooking stuff and we have avalanche is avalanches with a big risk on this trip um so we took all avalanche kit um and yeah we we had we went in sort of start of june last year so it was roasting so but then it would get freezing at night so you have all, all kinds of kits so our bags were much heavier than we would have liked let's say <laughs> um, yeah that was uh yeah i think probably 20 25 kilos of kit that you're skiing down the hill and taking up Jeez. that's that's not bad <laughs> yeah no it's not bad it's, you know carried much more than that uphills walking but for yeah it's <laughs> just skiing it's tricky so day one we've started with hitchhiking to the start location uh no that so that was at the end so day one we drive um but even that's pretty um pretty odd so 
you go, it's near to Independence. It's a little town um, over there on the east side. But then after you pass that, you have to sort of go off-road on a trail. Again, it's not marked anywhere. You have to kind of know where you're going. Um, and you're off-roading for a fair distance. And then you get to the, the technical start point, which is called Shepherd's Pass, which is rightfully named from me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it literally is in the middle of nowhere with a sign saying Shepherd's Pass. And so you get, and, and it's also in the desert. So you're putting your skis on your backs, um, which obviously adds to the weight, putting the right backs on, leaving your car and thinking, gosh, okay, I've got to go through a mountain range and hitchhike back here. <laughs> and so you start walking through the desert and um, this is day one and it is roasted. It's really, really hot. Uh, yeah. and so you feel a bit silly with skis on your back. Yeah, you I was going to say. <laughs> um, and it, it kind of looks like that cowboy cowboy land as the, as the hills start to get bigger and you start going uphill and there are a lot of river crossings early on and it's very very much the bear country so we saw so many uh, footprints and things like that so you're watching out for bears um, camping in caves we did um, on the first night um, and you know there was no sign of snow to start with it was like oh what are we about to do and of course if there's no snow this trip would, would have been a lot longer um, so yeah, that was day one, and it was it was not exactly ski mountaineering quite yet. Not just yet, no. <laughs> and it's worth mentioning these aren't sand dune deserts, are they? Uh, not in California. These these are, especially with the hills, like you were saying just then, just just dry, basically. Rocky, dusty. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of rattlesnake country. So you can't even ski down the sand sand dunes. <laughs> Definitely not. Not that you'd want those big boots on your feet in that heat anyway, but. <laughs> <laughs> But um, all right, perfect. So we're camping in the cave first night. Yes, camping cave. Um, and I guess the so the start all kind of went to plan, and then the second day we we get up, um, and we start hitting the snow line, but it's on and off. So you kind of have to make that decision in your head, like putting the skis on, putting the skis off, um, and then you start to realise just how hard work uh, skiing mountaineering is with that slushy thick snow because it's kind of going into the summer. Luckily, they'd had. A really really big snow year that year um, which meant that we could go so late in the season but that was also a curse later on as well because of the heat it was causing um, avalanche conditions so sliding sliding avalanches um, and then we first experienced that so we had to go up a pass um, and there was avalanche debris everywhere and this was the start of realizing what the whole trip would be like and so we, we skied up right up to the pass and then finally when we got to this pass, uh, the sort of towards the end of the second day, we finally saw, it looked like the Arctic. It looked like you stepped into a, a world of paradise because you'd just come from this kind of gross snow with deserty rocks everywhere. And then in front of you, there was just beautiful snow-capped mountains everywhere. You could see a perfect line for skiing down. Um, you could see water for camping in. It was everything. And so we just had the most amazing chilled out skiing towards uh, the end where um, on that day where we camped and it was just we all felt yes this is where we've come <laughs> perfect, perfect. That, was, that was luxurious um and then we actually woke up to the sound of um coyotes the, mo the next morning um and then we, we stepped out of our of our tent and then we saw a bunch of them coming and they were curious to see us and they were coming coming towards us and as we got closer and closer and we saw more of them we were like oh <laughs> what what can we take to, to... Coyotes, are they a threat out there or are they just kind of something you don't really want to be around? 
I don't think there is too much of a threat, but it was there was a point where we were like, they're getting too curious. But we we had our ice axes and our crampons that we could use, I suppose. <laughs> I think the the reason reason I ask that I guess is I've interviewed a lot of people who've gone to Southeast Asia recently. So what's at the forefront of my mind is dogs with rabies. So um, yeah. you yeah. mentioned coyotes, and and I did, I just think I just instinctively started thinking that they're a threat. But <laughs> I I mean I reckon they could be a threat, right? <laughs> yeah, just. Yeah move away from them we, we would we would take them <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's a fair fight <laughs> yeah fair enough <laughs> yeah and then it was again we're in this paradise that i, I took a load of pictures that morning because it just you could not believe you were in california um there was not a soul around everything was going to plan um and then we put our skis on put down the tent and we're not in the steep stuff yet but we then we just headed off and the snow was gorgeous i don't then it's that sort of perfect crust um, in the early morning and you're yeah. still cutting through it and it just felt felt great and we were going through the trees by this point going up and down up and down and getting some nice lines down there um, and then we reached this um, uh, this sort of point where there was just this mega mega point where it could avalanche and we had to make the decision to go go down that which was one we couldn't really avoid at that time but it was the first time we were like um, having to make a decision for the route, but there was no other way. Um, what was it about that situation that told you it was avalanche risk? Everything really, the the slope um, angle, the snow conditions. It was it was very very unstable. The temperature that we knew had been on it that day, where you could see some debris as well, um, and it just looked like it was waiting waiting to go. So we had to, um, I mean, in order to avoid. Um, try and do avalanche skiing the safest is one person goes first you keep a lookout then you go and then you do it like that so at least if, if it avalanches only one person gets gets done and then you can go and try and find them <laughs> were you sending tim in first <laughs> <laughs> i would always go yeah middle no idea <laughs> <laughs> perfect so it's a mixture of textbook stuff with experience of having sort of seen it before yeah, and you, you yeah. Can, once you see it, you can tell. You can, and you can also do tests, which occasionally we did um, to to check if it if it would go quickly. But yeah, I was so just to pause on there. I was just, I was listening to another podcast again. I, I mentioned it in the first one, but Jason Fox yeah. interviews uh, one of his friends, Jay Morton, and he was talking about this. Uh, was it Elbrus? He was talking about one of the highest summits um, that they were practicing to then do Everest. And he said how atrocious the whole whole thing went. Planning just went out the door. They yeah. should have stopped, but they just kept going. And you know, and he said they were they had even seen an avalanche and then thought, uh, we'll just test for an avalanche to see if we can keep going. <laughs> and, um, yeah. and there were situations like that. And he mentioned uh, something like a snow block or, yeah, or something. Yeah. So what is that? How do you go about doing that to test then test for an avalanche? Uh, you go onto the, the angle that, or the, the slope that you're looking at on the side and then yeah. you basically, how do I explain it, um, you, you're you always carrying shovels in the mm. snow. Or if you're not, then you can you can use your gloves, but it's just not quite that clear. You basically cut a block, um, like a brick, but about, about a metre by metre, I think. Um, and then you pull that out and then, one, you can look at the layers of the snow, so how it's frozen, melted, thawed, frozen, um, and all of that. Um, but you can also then stand on top of it or see the weight that's needed on top of where you've cut to make the rest of it fall, if that makes sense. Right, okay. I mean that very well, but I've got 
the picture in my head. <laughs> no, no, I, I, that's that's in my head as well. Yeah, so you can kind of see how uh, stable it is by doing that. You just got to make sure there's no one down the slope while you're doing that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Perfect. Well, well, now you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, we made it. We made it through that, and then it was again. Things were. You you felt like you were getting more in the wilderness, and it really. We were in John Muir land at this point, and it really did feel. Um, do you know much about John Muir? Is. Um. I know that he is one of the forefathers of national parks. I think he helped found some and he loved America. Yeah. Uh, I've actually got a book here within a meter of me, but I'm, I'm yet to get onto it. It's about two books in the queue. Yeah. Um, so I know a little bit about him, but I'm not an expert. He fell in love with the Sierras um, where we were and you could completely understand why it was just, um, oh, really? I think I said in the last podcast we did, but um, it felt like a Disney movie. It felt like, Oh really? You could have, uh, you know, bears walking by and then little deer going by and things like that. But it was just gorgeous. Um, but then the next day was when things started to get interesting because we um, had a really, really big ski up. So there's this pass called um, Milestone Pass, which was the, the first, the last pass that we really knew we were getting it right. So we could kind of see um, we had a picture from a previous person who'd done it. Uh, we could kind of see, okay, that would be their line of them making their ascent up. And uh, we go up at this, again, like the angle of the snow um, was just, uh, the angle of the slope along with the snow meant for crazy conditions. And um, we had to traverse this slope in order to get right up to the top of it. And the snow was falling beneath us. Um, it was so uh, wet because it had been so hot. And so you'd, you'd move it on your ski and then it was, your ski would drop. And so suddenly, because you're not, it's not quite enough for crampons and ice sacks at this point. So you're on skis instead of that. And so your ski would drop and the only thing stopping you from tumbling down would be one ski on your sort of uphill leg. And so your, your heart starts pounding and you have to gain your balance with just your bloody ski poles ready to quickly make a turn if you've got to ski down. Um, so that started happening, it started happening quite a lot. And then we all made it up to the top of this pass, realizing that these longer days and these sort of steeper slopes were gonna cause an issue. Um, and we had to do these things early if we needed to uh, do it safe. Um, just because the heat of the day, it's Californian sun after all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then we did some pretty crazy skiing down after Milestone Pass. Um, like very much steeper than I thought than I expected it would be actually um and we were so adrenaline filled and so having such an amazing time realizing where we were that we just kept on skiing <laughs> so we we were like whoa let's go let's go and we were having such a great time and we skied and we went through the trees and we went through here we went through here and we were only skiing for a couple of hours but obviously the speed that you get and we just lost ourselves and we <laughs> we went we didn't realize it at the time, but we went straight past all these mountains that we were meant to be um, going up. Really? And so we just cut the distance like no one. Um, and you, we, we ski right down, we think, oh, it must be this way, we'll camp over here and then tomorrow we'll go up here. And um, yeah, we were completely wrong. And because uh, none, of, none of this is clear in any, anything that you read or you look up, even on the maps. And <laughs> so yeah, we, we, we camp at this place thinking that we're gonna 
ascend this um, this mountain next to us. But we were, when we were looking at it that night, we were thinking, that's not right. <laughs> that's not right. That would require like so many ropes in order. Like this can't be right because we didn't we didn't take ropes. So we had crampons and ice axes, but we didn't have a rope. We weren't, you know, we weren't expecting to put in protection things like that. <laughs> yeah. That was the first time it was like, uh, uh oh, we've, we've gone wrong. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. And so, how did you go about correcting that? Um, so, we realized that night, and then the next day we thought, oh, it's fine. Well, it must can't be that far. We'll just continue skiing up. So, we backtraced our, backtraced our steps. And I think we, I was just carrying one of those spot communication devices, the data, uh, you know. Okay. Um, we found out afterwards my parents and um, other friends that were following were really confused why we kept backing on up on <laughs> um and then yeah we we kept skiing we kept skiing we thought we saw the pass we were looking for this pass called it's a ridiculous name and uh, not as steep as it looks pass <laughs> looking for a pass that wasn't as steep as it looks which is quite hard to look for um <laughs> again we thought we found it um but it was too late in the day to make a safe ascent because it was some proper climbing. Um, I, I say proper climbing, I mean it meant commitment and it meant um, putting your skis in your back and uh, yeah. climbing. Scrambling on Scrambling with crampons and axe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but again, too late. The snow was just avalanching around us. We kept being among aval small avalanches. So we camped near it and we kept looking at it and it was boiling sun in the afternoon. And both, like... It was definitely as steep as it looked, this pass. <laughs> yeah. We were looking at it and we were thinking, uh, we were looking at it for hours and we were thinking, if someone, it just takes one person to fall here and they're dead. Um, and it, it was some pretty hardcore climbing. So we were looking at how we would do it, but then we all thought we could do it. But then, yeah, one slip and you're, you're a goner. Um, and so we made the really hard decision because we just thought, you know, someone dies on this trip it's it's a fail yes <laughs> yeah you've not done well and so we, we we really thought that that was the pass and that we'd run out of options um and that the snow conditions just weren't on our side you know if it was really basically if it was really sturdy snow all the time then we could have done it um but we didn't know that you know it wasn't proving that way it was falling beneath our feet when you put one crampon in it would fall and that's not not safe in any way when you don't have protection yeah. And so the next, like that evening we thought we can't do it and that's it. We reluctantly realized that the only way out safely would be a two week uh like sort of ski hike all the way around through away from the mountains. So we couldn't because we couldn't go back from where we came because that would be too too dodgy um going the other way and then we couldn't go where we were trying to get. So we felt very very trapped around the mountains. Yeah. And so we were really considering this two-week get-out of escapism. You know, we'd run out of food. It would be a slog. We would miss our flights. Everything would go wrong, but at least we'd live. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it seemed like it. that's what you want, I guess. Um, but we were very kind of sad, and the mood was low. And the three of us thought, well, let's just make a start now, then. Let's leave this point. Let's not even bother seeing it in the morning. Um, and so we packed up our tent and... Um, start skiing heads down feeling really sorry for ourselves thinking oh, we failed this high sierra route it was only meant to be a little trip and look at it look at us now yeah um then it was getting late in the evening and i mean matt and i were heads down looking at the ground 
and Tim just saw this, this path, this mountain that we hadn't quite considered before. And he was like, well, what about that one? And then we kind of looked at it and we all looked at each other's eyes and think, maybe we can do that one. Maybe we can give it a go. So it was like, it's one shot to give it a go. And so we thought, well, nothing, you know, we wake up really early in the morning when the snow is, when it's coldest and when the snow is the solidest, solidest and um, we'll, we'll have a go. So we cut up a tent right there and we thought this is our last chance. Waking up at 3 a.m. or something like that, um, all very silent, thinking, okay, we've got to, got to put in the, the hours right now. And the snow was perfect. We couldn't have asked for anything better. It was some great climbing. Like, it was the most committing climbing um, I've done without a rope, for sure. <laughs> you're, you're, you know, again, slipping or losing your balance, which was really easy to do when you have your skis on your back. So you've got your yeah. skis on your back and you lean that way uh, down towards at all and you're going to fall but once you had a bit of a rhythm going it was really exhilarating and it was sort of that moment you started to feel the sun you know it chases you doesn't it when you're in the mountains <laughs> you see the sort of sun coming towards you you're like no no chase go quick <laughs> but just as we got to the top uh, that's what I talked about the other day just as we got to the top the sun came We'd made it up safely. We knew we'd had that in the bag and we didn't have to go that route that was going to take two weeks. And it really felt like something, Everest or something, because we really didn't think, we didn't even, you know, we'd, get, we'd given up. And this was such a treat to finally do this with those those two. And we all looked at each other and think, oh, we can do this. We can, we can actually do this. So that was a good moment, for sure. Nice. So <laughs> we we fixed the route then. So... As a timestamp, where are we in the in the trip now? Halfway? Yeah, halfway, I would say. Because that must have thrown you off a couple of days. Yeah, no, it really, it wasted two days. Which, um, which So we already knew that we were going to have to watch our rations and watch our food. Um, and when you're doing skiing and mountaineering all at once, it's, it takes a lot of energy. But, um, it's calorie consuming. Really, but it, it's such a great fitness. I sort of, I love it. It's so intense, um, but it's it's so good. But so we just accepted that in the day we would not be eating anything. <laughs> <laughs> it, well, that's what has to be done. That's what has to be done, right? That's you know, what we need. Yeah. Um, but no, it was, um, I mean, that was just beautiful and epic and it was just fantastic. And what happened next? Let me try and think. Um so we we had some fantastic skiing again. Like I do, you, I don't know. Do you ski? I do. Yes and no. So yes, I ski. Yes, I can ski. Yes, I love skiing so much. Unfortunately, the last time I went was 2013. And if you're listening to this in the future, it's currently nearly halfway through 2020. So I've I've got massive post skiing blues. <laughs> massive for me is a great thing though yeah Even so, on so <laughs> yeah like I am um, I I always say like on the first 10 minutes of putting on those skis just ignore me like just don't look at me <laughs> I'm just going to be falling over I need to my brain yeah. attached to my legs again 10 minutes of snow plow and then start getting into some parallel oh, and, <laughs> one turn and things like that and I think Matt was looking at me I just what on earth like because I'm actually a, I'm a ski instructor so I was like I promise I can do it <laughs> don't give me don't give me 10 minutes 
Um, but I'm gonna, I'll fast forward a few days. Um, penultimate day, you're sort of crossing another national park and you're going from Kings Canyon, if I'm, I might be getting this wrong, I hope I'm not, Kings Canyon to Sequoia National Park, I believe. Um, and this is where you've got some really, you're really properly in the sort of the, the base of the mountains. So you're, you're not having to descend too much into another one. And there was a beautiful moment where uh, we climbed up this this area and we looked out into the distance and we thought, like it was quite icy snow at this point. We thought, I wonder how long it will take us to uh, ski from here to here. And um, we just had a go and we literally, because of the snow and the ice, it was like ice skating. And we managed to get all the way. It was probably without you know with a bit of polling but not much probably about 10 minutes of just skating across this ice this traverse just beautiful lovely and so um we felt like we were we had it in the bag by this point because we had you know we'd done not as steep as it looked fast we'd made all this distance coverage and it really didn't feel like we had much more to go um but then us being us we got carried away with skiing again um and missed certain paths that we were meant to go i did some incredible I did my. I had one fall on this entire trip, and it was the most incredible fall. It was. I think it was a double or triple somersault, landing perfectly, just on my bum, upright position, and skis up in front of me. But we we sort of camped in this area. We knew we had to go slightly back on ourselves, but we were looking at the map, and we thought, hey, we can we can do this tomorrow. We can make it. We also had we hadn't had any food for two days. So we were pretty hungry. So we were pretty desperate to to get to the end, um, but it still meant climbing a bunch of mountains and finding our way through. Uh, you kind of envisaged, or I did anyway, um, towards the end, like the last ten kilometers or something, being really obvious and being really like, you know, follow me, I'll take you back to civilization. Um, but it was not like that at all. So we got up really early, and we made our first climb before six a.m. And we would be climbing, so Matt went first, um, and then I went second. And as I was climbing, I could feel the uh, the boomf, the boomf, uh, avalanche sounds. So you you kind of feel it beneath the ice, the snowpack moving beneath you. And so at one point, the the, the, avalanche, the slope is just going to go, but there's no going back at this point. So you just start moving faster and cautiously. And so I'm doing that, but I can't shout to. Um, so Tim, I'm pretty sure you heard the whoomph. Um, so I, I keep going. I get to the top and I get to Matt and I'm like, Phew, that was quick, that was close. And we're keeping an eye on Tim. And it's going whoomph and whoomph while he's going on it. And he just gets to the top. And as he gets to the top, he sort of dilly-dallied a little bit going, oh, that was, he didn't quite understand what was happening. Oh, that was interesting. And then he literally just gets on it and it goes whoomph. And he just gets, just so we had to get off the edge very, very quickly. Um, heart beating. We <laughs> was another one of those. Uh oh, we kind of we just made it, um, which is which is funny actually because I forgot to mention the day before we'd had a really close incident. Um, we were having some lunch in this again idyllic setting. Um, the sun was on us. We there was what happens in the Sierras um, because there's lots of streams and rivers everywhere, but the snow falls. Um, a lot of them are covered, and occasionally there's like a an opening where you see this the river the stream you can get water but you obviously have to be careful because you don't know where the sort of snow bridges are that you're walking yeah. on 
Um, we kind of thought we were next to one, but on a rock um, and getting water and having lunch. And Matt goes ahead first and Tim is then, um, I'm just on a higher level than Tim and Tim's getting some water and he just steps off. And this whole uh, bit of waterfall just opens up um, for like create, create, showing us where the waterfall was and it was much wider than we thought. And so Tim runs and then he gets his legs stuck at hanging in like <laughs> under loose free air where there's another waterfall beneath him. I'm above him. <laughs> Matt's gone too far. Matt can't see us right now. Flip. Um, you know, there's potential for not only when the original snow fell into the water, the whole water like scooping him up and taking him down under because under the snow and then trapping him. But now he was hanging in midair. I had him by my hand and I, they, I had the shovel. So I then had to get the shovel, pa pass it to him. And he had to jig himself out while holding me ready to ready for me to take his weight, um, dig the snow around him because his leg was stuck. <laughs> so it was a pretty tricky situation. So that's I was a situation you see like that's what directors think up when they go they're planning these like disgusting sort of tra tragedy movies. Like you know, like Vertigo, where you watch the whole movie and the whole movie is just them making mistake after mistake and like yeah. nearly dying for an hour and a half. That's a scene that a director would think of, surely. <laughs> it was also not one of the things you kind of expect. Like, no. It's very much felt like a wilderness danger. It wasn't a mountain danger. It wasn't the, you know, Arctic danger. It was very much a, in the middle, remote, where all the elements are there. Um, sure. But I took all his weight. I managed to hook his bag so that I wasn't carrying his bag as well onto something else. And, um, yeah, he freed himself. He fell. I I picked him up and got him up and then it was just like Jesus that was two times in a very short period that he he could have just gone <laughs> yeah it was really really horrible that one um so we had that and then suddenly the next morning this avalanche just <laughs> just went so we kind of felt we'd had our fair share of near life experiences at this point and we thought that that was that was kind of the last day we'd done the the hardest bit at the last day um but little like did we know it would go on for 16 or 17 hours or something like that and oh um what can i say about last day we uh it was we'd run out of food and so we were starving it was so hot we would it was felt like we were in another world it felt like we were in i don't know if it's because we were slightly delirious but it was just so hot and this the cloud came in covering us so the visibility was awful but it was just roasting um and we just had to keep going keep going and then we got to the point where we knew we were getting closer to the end because we started approaching trees and um this is where we all thought it was going to be a straightforward ski down to the end um and we started skiing down um but because again because it had been such a big snow year um the melt was massive so underneath the snow there were loads of rivers and there were also big rivers disrupting the like overflowing basically where we were trying to ski so we were trying to have to find really dodgy snow bridges to ski onto which you'd only ever do once um because they were so weak and you just hoped that they didn't break or you didn't i think i lost my balance so on once and if you did that then you'd be in, in the fast flowing water and it would not be not be good and we kept going down 
And then we realized we were trapped by all these waters. And then it, it went onto this massive, massive waterfall. I went up to try and see if there was another way, but no, it was a sheer cliff. And then we realized we're a bit, bit stuck here. And that was the most surreal moment because we realized this, we were stuck. We couldn't go back either because the snow bridges wouldn't take us on a second time. And then suddenly Matt goes, that's okay, there's a bridge. <laughs> and this is not on any map. Um, it wasn't a bridge. It was like a uh, something you see on the movies. Um, it was a bit of wire going one way with a thing that doesn't it says don't it doesn't hold a man. So it's a little um, wooden container, um, and you basically had to use the rope to get yourself over this fast flowing river. Um, this this box that was used to carry the thing, um, and then get to the other side. But the thing is. Um, it was all, it almost took a mathematician or a physicist um, um, and an engineer to figure it out because it was a scientific experiment that we found the evidence that it was an experiment and things like that. Yeah. So we had to spend, I think, two hours figuring this thing out in order to like release it and to make it work. Finally, we made it work. And then, so we sent the bags over. Um, but <laughs> it was so, it was, it had the, sort of wooden planks missing you were you were crawled up in this box like just holding on while this fast flowing water went and actually on your right would be a, a waterfall uh, so you're looking at that and you're getting through and eventually we got through that um and it was just it was a bit ridiculous like that that even existed and that we were at the point where it was like we we're right next to it to be like there's a bridge <laughs> yeah. so strange and this is when I really thought we were there. Um, but no, we had hours to go after this and it was just a real slog. Um, we were skiing, uh, when you tree, ski, tree skiing, I call it, through trees, um, takes so much energy in your mind because you have, when you're that, um, when you haven't eaten for a couple of days and you're exhausted, getting your legs to move and your feet to move fast enough takes, mm. takes, <laughs> takes its toll. Um, and we skied as long as we could ski. Um, and then finally the snow ran out. Then we walked and we walked and we walked and we walked. And um, eventually, finally, just before the sun was going down, um, we got to the end of the trailhead where the end, the official end of the route. But this, this is where it's, it's weird because this is where if you had two cars, if you had another car meeting you there, then you'd be absolutely fine. Um, but we had no car. We expected there to be something there. There was absolutely, there was nothing there. And we came out and we saw a glimmer of headlights as people, some people were about to leave. They just happened to be there. And so we started running to them. And um, they were, there were two, two German uh, tourists and they had a little, little car. And we basically just told them that they were taking us, that they were gonna take us somewhere. Because <laughs> we're, we're still not in any civilization. And we managed, we managed to convince them and we jumped in the car. We didn't realize that why they opened their windows so much to start with. And it was absolutely stunk. Yeah. <laughs> we crept in and um, it's so strange. And this is why I love America as well is because they dropped, we found sort of some little hotel, the only hotel around for about two hours drive. And we said, can you drop us off here? And they said, okay, yeah, we'll drop it off here. And it was a beautiful lodge where, people, you know, where sort of retired people go for their lovely yeah. walks and things. They don't, <laughs> there's mountains and snow. So we turn up in the middle of the night um, with uh, skis on our backs, uh, 
Tim had fallen over that day, so he had a bloody nose all over him. We <laughs> 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 rock up in our ski boots, and we're like, "Please, you, can you do? Do you have a room?" And they're like, "No, we're 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 booked." And we're like, "No." Like, cause we we really did not. I mean, we could have, but we were really desperate not to um, camp that night. Yeah. Really, really, really desperate, and to eat. And they're like, "No, no, no." Um, but you know, we can open the kitchen for you now if that's what you want. Like, okay, thank you. We'll do that while we decide, while we figure out what to do. And then we find out it's Matt's birthday, while we, which he kept secret, while we're <laughs> while we're eating, and the um. Everyone around us starts to hear our conversation that we're stuck and we've we've gone through the mountains. We've been in the mountains for eight days and we haven't eaten for two days. And now you know we we're completely stuck. And the the chef starts hearing it and he's the guy who bring is bringing bread to us like copious amounts of bread. And he he sort of starts to say, well maybe I'll be able to take you um, somewhere because he was like, if you can find somewhere to stay, then we can so we found somewhere to stay and on our, on our phone it said 40 miles away so we were like okay that shouldn't shouldn't take too long um but it's, it's actually a two-hour drive through the Sakura National Park and oh, by, the, of by this point it's getting really late um but then this this couple come over to us and they say oh we've heard we just heard you overheard your conversation we hear it's Matt's birthday it's my birthday too um we actually have a spare room a uh, spare bed in our room if one of you wants to stay in that and like others can sleep on the floor with us, we're like, that's really kind. And as we were about to say yes, um, the chef comes out and says, I'll, I'll drive you, I'll drive you a couple of hours now, like at midnight. He's like, I've got a, sh- I've got a um, shift starting at seven, but if we leave now, then I'll be able to make it back. <laughs> and so he's uh, doing that. And then suddenly the, um, the receptionist says, my wife is about to get off um, work. She can take you too. And so there's um, this there's overwhelming kindness that comes out of this. And you just couldn't, like, I couldn't believe it. None of us could believe this kindness that these people, these strangers were giving us. And it was such a lovely way to end it because we felt that day so much of our luck, our luck was out of it. And then yeah. all of these people came forward and offering their services and kindness. It was just, it was beautiful. So was a really positive way to end and then yeah we we got in the car and drove two hours with this guy he just really enjoyed talking uh opened <laughs> windows <laughs> all the way as well um, <laughs> but he did it and he got us there and it, yeah it was, it was lovely so it was a lovely way to end <laughs> perfect and you made it out safely made it out safely with smiles on our faces and yeah buzzing <laughs> well before we get on to some wrap-up questions then, is there anything else we need to know? What, you know, both individual to your trip and also about visiting the high Sierras? Um, I would say, if, yeah, because there's not much online. So if anyone wants to, I mean, wants to know, then I'm happy to talk to them about it. Um, but yeah, know, know what you're going in for. It's, it's, quite, it's quite a committing adventure, for sure. Um, it takes a lot of skills involved. Um, so much, you know, it does take some interesting climbing. It does take some interesting skiing, winter stuff, navigation. Um, so it, it's, it's cheeky. It's good though. <laughs> cheeky. <laughs> yeah, spicy is the word I'd use. <laughs> spicy. Spicy. Because yeah, this it seems pretty epic. It sounded like an epic trip. Anyway, you know, even if what if it was for you a jolly, it sounded yeah. like it was going to be pretty pretty epic. 
but then with all these things happening, that's yeah. yeah I, I see now why you call it an expedition. Yeah, yeah, sort of a short expedition. Definitely had enough tales on it for sure. So, I've only really got two wrap-up questions, but one of them is a li- little bit more in depth. So we'll start with that one, which is it takes a lot of mental fortitude and grit to not eat and to ration yourself and to keep going when you're lost. I mean, anyone who's, I've done it a few times, you just worked so hard in a day and you haven't eaten all day long and you're still going. It's like that, but on steroids, because you're you're mountaineering and you're skiing and you really know that there's no fridge back at home. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, there's there's your tent. Yeah. So it's a two-part question. How did you manage the the mental fortitude to to get through that? And how did you also manage being a team and sticking together? Because the other word that crosses my mind is hangry, which (laughs) is, for those who don't know, a mixture of hungry and angry. Or anger due to hunger. Yeah, definitely. Um, the first part of that question, um, how do you manage? I think it's much easier when there is no choice. I'm much better like that. So if that's the way it is, then that's the way it is. And so you accept that and that's the only way that's gonna get you out, then you know, you just you just take it. You know, if you if you can manage that, you know, it's not gonna be forever. If you don't manage it, then it could be forever. Um and then the hangry question, um, choose your teammates wisely know them know them when they've hit their worst and when you've hit their worst and how they deal with that we've been on trips before we know what each other are we know people need to um have a little bit of space um we're we're all quite good at at the end of each day having a talk about how the day went um and so if you need to get out any beefs or anything like that say it say it there and then because that will save it boiling up and you just exploding later on so there's a little bit of stretch and shrink. So um, so when one person is expanding out into their hangar, yeah. uh, you kind of retract into yours. Yeah. Uh, and definitely being honest with each other at the, at the end of the day. Yeah, it's the most important thing in, it, in everything, really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, you'd, you'd think. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. Not always the clearest and the obvious one at the time, but it was always is afterwards. Yeah, some people would just rather keep it bottled up because they'd be, oh, it's fine, it's fine, but yeah. I guarantee it'll come out later. That is the worst thing to do. Um, classic example is if someone thinks oh i've got a blister on my toe it's fine it's fine it's fine it's fine nothing you know suddenly it's like it's going to cause this stupid little blister is going to end your trip (laughs) yeah exactly yeah (laughs) now the other question is something i ask everyone uh and that is what moment would you relive however like i said at the beginning of the podcast one of your your most relive memory was on this trip from the interview so if you can i don't think it'll be hard which other moment would you relive on this trip in second place the runner-up um it i think it still counts as a trip because it was just after the trip like as okay. in the day we finished yeah. um, we were sitting at the restaurant where we, we just still didn't know what we were going to do um but we were eating bread and we were warm and we were happy and we were all silent, but suddenly, because we had food in our belly and stuff, we were all silent, and we all looked at each other, Matt, Tim, and I, and just started giggling, and like, yeah, we've done it again, kind of thing. Like, that sort of just, oh, guys, kind of, <laughs> I mean, that's why I'd always, I love it, doing it for the 
with the people and those experiences and memories that you create is, is what really does it for me. Well, listen, Lucy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast again. Uh, it's my pleasure. And hopefully we can see you in another one sometime soon. Yeah, cool. Thank you very much for having me. So I really hope you enjoyed that podcast. I absolutely loved hearing about the mountains and skiing through and the epic adventures that Lucy had. I highly recommend you go to lucysheppard.net. I'll put the link in the show notes. She has a fantastic blog and a bit of information on there too, should you need it. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do consider following or subscribing. And certainly if you know of someone who would enjoy it as well, please share it with them too. But otherwise, I hope you have a fantastic day. I will see you in the next one.